Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Sterling. Appreciate that. It is wonderful to be uh, back with you. And um, Cheryl and I just got back from a uh, mission trip to France, which uh, was very blessed, and which I'll tell you about here in a second. I just want to say how fun it is to see some of our college students, some of our young professionals back. This is great uh, with us. And uh, the hares are here again this morning. Uh, great blessing uh, to have you all here and to be together in the Lord and to be in His uh, Holy Word. One of the great things about belonging to Jesus is that you have a big family. Sometimes I don't know if you realize how big your family is. Um, it's bigger than big families. Uh, the way God does things is always big. And um, some of you have lived uh, different parts of the world and uh, been a part of the military and moved around, and you've actually seen uh, just how big God is and how he can bring people together in out-of-the-way places who are totally on the same page, who are following Jesus Christ and learning from Jesus Christ. And uh, there are few things more powerful than that, even in terms of understanding who God is. Uh, you uh, travel different places, and uh, hopefully you, when you visit different churches, uh, hopefully uh, you can actually see God uh, at work. Uh, and um, the fact is that uh, all day long, all night long, God is working out his eternal purpose. And you and I can be confident in that. Uh, sometimes we think about things in a funny way. We think, uh, you know, sometimes you, you have to have the perfect strategy uh, for something. Uh, it's, it's good to have some kind of strategic thinking. It's better to pray uh, fervently, <laughs> uh, but uh, strategic thinking is okay. Um, loving people like Jesus is really great, no matter where you go. Uh, if you actually are kind to somebody, uh, they will respond. Um, but um, as, uh, as we uh, get into the lesson this morning, I, I, just, I want you to have a sense of just how big God is and uh, the fact that he is a providential God. Um, he is working out his purpose no matter what is going on. And so you have people at every stage of life sitting here all kinds of different issues, different things in the past, uh, different things that you're being equipped for in the future. And uh, God has a way of using each one of you. Each one of you. If you're paying attention, God wants to use you in a whole set of ways between now and the time that your time is up. And whether it's a baby being born or whether it is someone that we love who is getting ready to, uh, to move from this life into the next, God will use it. God will use it for his purpose. If you and I are paying attention. He can use everything. He can use every person. And I want you to see in the scripture this morning, the one that Sterling read, I want you to see just how he does bring things about and how personal a God he is. 
He is working things out in your life, even when you don't think so. And when you start having confidence in prayer, he really starts working things out and unfolding things, even in the middle of great difficulty. He is a responsive God. That's why Jesus Christ came. He is a responsive, loving God. And he has a plan. And it's better than any plan that you and I or some other human being can come up with. So we focus on that. And we do something. Uh, do something. Sometimes people are like, I don't know what to do. Do something. Do something that Jesus Christ did. Say something that Jesus said. Do something that shows something about the loving God who put you here and who is saving you. Say something. I want to talk to you this morning about a new church. And it's interesting because as I do that, we have a wonderful brother who is... Uh, I think, about ready to, to meet Jesus. In any case, uh, before I get started, I want us to pray for Brother Philip right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Philip. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his love. We thank you for Teresa thank you for what you have done in their lives. And we ask your protective hand on them and their family right now. Father, thank you for all the different things, the different ways that you have used uh, Philip for your glory, for your purpose. Thank you for all the things they have learned and following your son. Uh, Father, I pray that you will be attending uh, to their hearts, to their minds right now. You will lift them up. You will help them to know that they are surrounded and that they are in your hand. We praise you for your greatness. We praise you for your purposefulness in all things. And, uh, Father, I just pray for the peace of Jesus Christ to reign in their hearts and in ours right now. And I pray this in his name. Amen. Now, you know that uh, Philip is one of our missions deacons, right? So, this is uh, what I'm talking about is partly related to what he has uh, overseen he and Steve Jones and Quasi uh, uh, Asiedo have all done a nice job, a really nice job, kind of uh, spearheading some of the missions things. I don't know if you have noticed or not, because we haven't kind of tooted the horn exactly, but in the last eight and a half years, the Laurel Congregation has helped to spread the gospel message in over 50 countries. 50 countries over the last eight and a half years. And uh, these guys were involved. I, I really have joy every time I'm with um, uh, Philip and Quasi and Steve Jones and others uh, talking about this. 
And of course, uh, you know, uh, Steve has been to Cameroon, uh, Paul has been to Cameroon, Nakia has been to Cameroon, uh, others in the past have gone to Cameroon, and we've had a number of people here have gone to France on these church starts, uh, including uh, Kevin and, and Cheryl and uh, some folks that have moved on now. Um, and uh, it's interesting because um, these, these uh, church starts in France uh, are very, very unlikely. Um, <laughs> a, a New Testament church getting started in France is, uh, is, is near zero probability. <laughs> uh, now there are some evangelical uh, charismatic churches that are growing in France right now uh, for particular reasons, but, but uh, in terms of New Testament churches, um, uh, there are really only six churches of Christ uh, in France, in French-speaking Europe, uh, I should say, French-speaking Europe, um, six churches of Christ, uh, and, and it's, it's territory bigger than Texas. Imagine there only being six churches of Christ in Texas. That's, that would be a problem. Um, hard to imagine. But uh, France has a certain history, you know, that kind of uh, is interesting, gets in the way a little bit, of spiritual message, uh, especially coming from the living God. But every single time we go to France, we run into people who are open to the message of Jesus. Every single time. Every single time we did distribution in a different town, in a different city uh, in France, uh, there was some kind of response. We went and we did more work wherever there was the greatest response. People wanting to study the Word of God. Uh, we spent more time there, just like in the New Testament. It always is good to pay attention to uh, the New Testament pattern when you're trying to start a New Testament church. And uh, so we'll get to that uh, set of verses here in a second. But, uh, but first I want to just talk a little bit about how God has uh, started a New Testament church in Colmar, France, about 35 miles uh, south of Strasbourg, where we started a church uh, back in 96. And uh, Cheryl and I and the kids, and um, God has chosen, um, out of some of the work that has been done, uh, to expand things. And Colmar was actually one of the most responsive uh, towns or cities uh, in France after Strasbourg, uh, in terms of all of our distribution. We had a lot of people every single time we did distribution of cards uh, to mailboxes, we, we got... 30-some people who wanted to study the Bible. In France, that is awesome. <laughs> um, so we just kind of kept going, kept going, and everybody we met, you know, we tried to share something, we tried to love them in some way, and we can keep track of some of them, and we have stayed in touch with a lot of people um, all over France and Belgium and Switzerland and Luxembourg, but... Um, uh, but it just happens that um, these uh, two places, Strasbourg and Colmar, are both in a part of France called Alsace. It used to be called Alsace-Lorraine. And uh, a lot of um, World War II and really previous wars have taken place in this area of the Alsace Plain. Uh, there's a lot of history to it, even going back to the Roman Empire uh, when, when it was Gaul. Um, but uh, 
Anyway, Colmar is, a, is probably one of the most beautiful towns uh, on the face of the earth, along with Rickveer and, um, and Ekisheim and some other uh, nearby uh, villages. Now, let me just, uh, before I jump into this, start with a story about a young man who was 19 years old. Uh, he came to about there on me. He was 19. Uh, he was not very big, but he was a U.S. soldier. And he was fighting. He came from Lubbock, Texas. He was fighting, and he actually liberated with his infantry unit, liberated Colmar toward the end of the war. It was called the Pocket of Colmar Battle, the Push de Colmar. And it was quite the battle. It's, uh, you, can, you can look it up. Um, there are a couple of versions of how things happened. There's an American version and a French version. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, when a lot of the cities were liberated, um, they actually were liberated first by the Americans and then the French uh, General Leclerc and some of the others had to come in rolling tanks uh, for the uh, photo ops. Um, they were around, but uh, our, our, our boys actually got in there and they, they took over a lot uh, of towns and villages and freed them before it was official. So, this young 19-year-old's name was J. Lee Roberts. J. Lee Roberts. And I met him when I was, um, I think, probably eight years old. And I thought he was an old dude then. He just died a few years ago. And he was quite the brother. But he told me from the time I was little something about Colmar, and he reminded me of it later on when I was a, an adult that there still was no church of Christ in Colmar. And he was still praying. When he was there as a soldier and the war was, was coming to an end, he stood there in Colmar and he prayed. A soldier, just having pushed his way across France, stopped to pray that someday there would be not only liberation like this militarily, but there would be spiritual liberation of Colmar, and that a church of Christ would be started in that place. So I had heard about it for years, prayed about it, uh, and uh, my parents, my parents love Colmar, and they actually are the first ones who took us down to Colmar when we lived in Strasbourg. And um, so this is, this is the way Colmar looks, all the half-timbered houses, uh, some amazing architecture from the uh, 14th century, 15th century, uh, and some before. And um, so a lot of prayer happened concerning Strasbourg, and then when, uh, or Colmar, then when we were in Strasbourg, we actually started going down to Colmar and a young man named Christophe Muller, that some of you met when he did a mission internship with us, uh, I think two years ago in July. He was at Sunset School of Preaching, and uh, Laurel Church actually helped a little bit with that. 
Uh, he was uh, one of the early people that I baptized in Strasbourg. Uh, this was an old picture of Cheryl and I. Uh, I don't know how old it is, but um, uh, we're, we took pictures in Colmar every single time, every year. We took a picture right in that same place in Colmar. We did again this year, too. Um, but Christoph, <laughs> this, I'm going to show you pictures, but this is just crazy how God brings us together. Christoph... Uh, uh, helped me to do Colmar a number of times. My family helped uh, a number of times. And then we had groups uh, that started uh, going there every year. And so it's, it's actually been probably about uh, 15 years of, um, of work uh, before all this was coming together. But that's God's timing. That's the way he operates. Uh, this is Centreville, right in the middle of town. Um, the way it looks. Uh, this is us in that same place, but earlier, 2008, I think this was the year that the Caldwells were there, and uh, Highbergs and Woods and some other folks, Huddlestons. And, um, uh, anyway, anyway, this is uh, called Petite Venise. It's a little tiny canal area uh, in the middle of Colmar. And uh, what God ended up doing uh, was he put us together with uh, Aaron and Betsy Palmer from Nashville. And he had been preparing them for French mission work. So they've done work in Belgium as young as they are. They've done work in Belgium and Congo and New Caledonia. Uh, they've, done, they've done some things. Um, and so God was preparing them. And then he put us together uh, some years ago. Uh, at a Harding uh, thing where we do a French World Mission workshop that I've been helping to coordinate the last 20 years or so. We did it at Harding and we actually met these folks and they were quite interested in Colmar and then they, they spent time with us and they went to Colmar a couple of times with us and we did some training. This is part of what we do with uh, our Operation French World thing that uh, uh, I kind of do, do with my left hand. Um, but we are trying to, uh, in various ways, encourage churches uh, all over the place in any way we can. And in this case, uh, training people for church starts. Uh, it's actually hard for uh, French people to think about starting new churches. Culturally, it's very, very hard to think about this, especially house churches. But every once in a while, we come across a house church in France through our website. Uh, OFWmissions.com. Uh, we have people coming to the website all the time, people who want to be trained and people who are saying, hey, tell us about being, being a New Testament church. We really want to be doing things simply according to the New Testament. And so we, God has us interacting with all these different people who want to go, who want to help, people who are there, who are on their own. They, they're isolated. They don't know what to do. So we're trying to help put together people so that God's purpose can be uh, achieved. Um, anyway, the Palmers are the perfect young family for this. Uh, they're at a Creve Hall Church of Christ in Nashville. They just moved over there, and they've been there a couple of months, and they have gotten situated, and God has just made it a perfect spot for them. And because they had gotten to know all of our contacts and friends there, it's just been like seamless. Totally seamless. So Cheryl and I go over there, and we're interacting with all these people, and it's just like, God, this is beautiful. I mean, it, it just it could not have come together more smoothly. 
Um, it took some years, but the way God has done it kind of organically is just, just perfect. And they're at the middle of it, but they're not alone. Uh, here's, here's a couple of things about, about uh, Aaron and Betsy and Celeste. And uh, Celeste is just as cute as can be. Um, as soon as she starts speaking, I'm sure part of it will be in French. Um, but uh, Aaron already has 22 World Bible School students. It's called École Mondiale de la Bible in French. And he, uh, he is uh, doing this on the internet. He, he is doing this in an official capacity for WBS uh, out of Colmar uh, under the sponsorship of, of Creve Hall. And um, so he is reaching people uh, every day. Uh, they're coming to him. Uh, he has some, uh, not only the longer term contacts, but he has met a number of people just in their being there. And uh, they're starting to have people over, which is the way it works. And then in the first assembly they had back in uh, May, I think it was, uh, May or early June, there were 25 people. So that, that's a little bit crazy. Um, they had a few people visiting from Harding uh, who were doing, uh, were, they were doing a singing thing and some distribution, and um, so it upped the number, but it was really uh, an awesome experience for them to have in their house 25 people assembled uh, worshiping the Lord on that Sunday. And uh, so, so now they're actually meeting every Sunday, and... Um, they have a great setup, like I said. They're kind of just on the edge of Colmar, uh, away from, just a little ways from the city. Um, but they're not alone. Uh, Christophe Muller, uh, this is totally the hand of God. We did not really arrange this in any way. But uh, Christophe Muller ends up deciding to join the Palmers in the Colmar work. And um, uh, Christophe also has been put together with a young lady uh, who's a little bit younger than him. Uh, both of them are older than they look. Um, but he's been praying for a Christian wife for uh, how many years? 22 years? Yeah. Uh, I think this is it. We're actually doing premarital counseling uh, for them. Uh, they're going to end up being, uh, being there in Colmar working with them. And, and you couldn't ask for a better situation than somebody who has done outreach in France for 22 years, who went to Sunset, who now actually can share the gospel in a meaningful way with any French person. And, uh, and he, he loves Aaron and Betsy and Celeste. They, they get along great. And um, so they're going to be working together. And he is uh, now a full-time uh, French evangelist in Colmar. So this, this, is, uh, this is the way God operates. Uh, this is coming together in such a way you, you, you couldn't make it happen. Uh, only God can make this stuff happen. So um, they're meeting, they're doing different things. And, uh, we're trying to encourage people while we were there. We met people every day we were there. Uh, we assembled with the church on Sunday. And uh, actually, we set it up so that uh, Christoph. Uh, and Aaron and I each shared a brief message about, about prayer, about praying uh, like Jesus. And, uh, and that was, it was great. And again, a pretty full group. I think there were nine or ten of us. Um, uh, good in terms of a house church uh, size for sure. Um, and so we did some more planning and praying with uh, the Palmers and with Christoph and 
uh, with Joanna um, um, Gutza. Joanna Gutza. She's actually from Romania. She doesn't speak French yet. Her sister speaks French. <laughs> she uh, speaks English. So it's a good thing Christoph came to, to Lubbock, Texas, and learned some English at sunset. Uh, they can actually uh, speak. The way God sets all this up and the sequence of things is, uh, is really awesome. Um, here are a few people uh, that uh, are there that we work with. Uh, this is, um, uh, these are the Moritz, the Moritz family, uh, Dominique and uh, Mela, and their little girl, Emmanuel, uh, who is very attentive to all the studies. Um, and uh, they have a close relationship with the Palmers. And then there's another group from the first assembly uh, we ever had uh, in Colmar uh, some years ago as we were preparing all, all, all of uh, the groundwork. So um, we need you to pray for Colmar um, each step of the way, uh, for Aaron and Betsy and Celeste, and for Christoph and for Joanna. And um, even pray for them in terms of their coming together and their marriage. Uh, it's, it's always a, a beautiful thing to see. In this case, uh, having, prayed, having prayed that long is, is, uh, is awesome. Uh, he is, uh, he's feeling um, the blessing of God for sure, Christoph is. Um, I want to just uh, end up uh, talking about this uh, situation here because this is so much... Uh, this uh, Acts 16 passage is so much the way things actually happen. You know, there are people in churches all, all over the place that really don't know how church starts happen. They don't know what all is involved. Uh, the Palmers actually have had people say to them, oh, so you, get, you got hired by a church uh, over there? That's really nice. Uh, congratulations on the promotion. Yeah. No, there's no church there. We're, we're helping to, it to come together. So all these people who've been studying for these years are coming together, and you've got you to figure out and pray your way through it and do whatever's necessary to build relationships and teach people uh, for a, a uh, they say, noyau, for a little uh, uh, core uh, to, to develop organically. And, um, and then God expands that. We boarded a boat at Troas, sailed straight across the island of Samoth, Samoth Race. We took uh, British Airways. The next, the next uh, day we landed in Neapolis. Uh, from there we reached uh, Philippi. We went through uh, London to Basel. Um, the, um, another major city, a district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we stayed there for several days. Uh, we ended up staying for eight days. On the Sabbath, we went a little outside the city to a river bank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. Now think about this. You have to pay attention to what is normal in these different places. So what happens? Paul and these guys go to the synagogue sometimes looking for people who might be worshipers of God, open to God. But sometimes there was a thing where sometimes people would go down to a river bank and they would pray. And they, they were conscious of this fact, and they went there. They went to where these open people might be. There might be some people praying down there. It wasn't a goose chase. They, it happened sometimes, so they went. Uh, they went to where the people were that might be open. 
meeting to pray. And when we sat down to speak with some, uh, with some uh, women who had been gathered there, one of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expansive purple, expensive purple cloth, uh, which uh, was you know, royal, uh, royal wear, uh, who worshiped God. Now that's the way it's described, who worshiped God. She, she was worshiping God, she wanted to worship God, and uh, this is the, the starting point. Uh, some of these people that we've been working with for a while, uh, they, they worship God. They, they have some kind of faith. They've been studying the Bible. They want to do the will of God. They just need help knowing all of what that means. And this is the situation here. Um, as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart. Now you know that God is drawing people to himself all the time, right? That's what Jesus Christ said. The Father is drawing people to himself all the time. I hope you know that. Otherwise, you're going to miss some things. God is drawing people, and in this case, it come, they go to the river, they bump into these women, and they didn't, they didn't say, oh, come on, let's go somewhere else. It's just a bunch of women. They started telling them the message, just like Jesus telling the woman at the well in John 4. There were people who were gathered, they were interested, they talked to them. Wherever we see people who, are, who have any openness whatsoever, who have any responsiveness whatsoever, uh, you know, we will try to share something with them. Because, how does it work? The Lord opened her heart. Do you know how this has happened with French people? French people have been brainwashed in a secular society to, to believe that there is no God from day one. No God. There is no God. Good luck to you. Bonne chance. There is no God from day one. Living God doesn't exist. She hears the message, and the Lord opens her heart. And we've had people like this. They, 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 they didn't even know you know, why this was happening, but the Lord was working on their hearts. She accepted what Paul was saying. When you say the words of Jesus and the apostles to somebody, it could ring true. Something could ring true in their soul, in their mind, and the Lord could actually open their heart. Um, she accepted what Paul was saying, she was baptized along with other members of her household, and she asked us to be her guests. I find that very interesting. This is like instantaneous hospitality. This is what Christians do, even new Christians. They, they want them to come over. They want them to have fellowship. Uh, this is part of what we did when we were in France. We, we had fellowship with people. We met people. We ate we had coffee, we, we talked, we, we went a few different places and we sat and we talked and we looked at nature and we talked about God and we did all kinds of stuff. What, what, whatever was, was needed. Um, and then he said, if you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Um, the hospitable heart that was opened by God uh, we've had people be hospitable to us, uh, and at the beginning, they were not hospitable, but the Lord opened their heart. Um, 
Please, please remember that the next time you're afraid to say something to somebody. And even if you get in trouble, don't worry about it. Go on to the next person. Go on to the next person. Because God is drawing people to himself uh, all over the place. Uh, here, in this area, uh, the opportunities are vast. And uh, all week long, every day, I share the gospel. Every single day I'm sharing the gospel, sometimes with a few people, sometimes with thousands of people on the Internet, uh, hundreds of people. And um, do what you can. Do whatever you can. Because God is working out his purpose, and you and I need to cooperate with him in it. If you're here today and you are not in the kingdom of God, you have not opened your heart up and accepted the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter started it all off on the day of Pentecost, right there in Acts chapter 2, and he's telling them, all of you who think that you trust in this Messiah, all who have faith, you want to have faith, you need to repent. You need to repent and you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so that you can be reconciled, so you can have a relationship with the living God. So it's no longer a matter of chance. You are working to the purpose of God because you're in the kingdom of God, the reign of God. That's what it means to be following Jesus Christ. He is reigning in you. He will be reigning in you if you come now and are baptized into Christ as we stand in sight.